Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. We're only a couple days away from the Bears' second preseason game of the year, and it's time for another game preview episode as we set our sights on Mitchell Trubisky coming back to Chicago to take on his former team and Justin Fields. I'm Earl Spildewitt. I'm very excited to have you here for this week's game preview. Alongside me, I have my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. Guys, it's great to be back, although this is a virtual setting. We're not at Soldier Field like we were in our previous episode, but I'm curious how your weeks have gone. And Nick, I know uh, you started going back to to real work uh, later on this week, like through the midpoint. How's that going? It just started. So I, I was actually writing the article that came out today while I was at work. So, you know, kind of multitasking there and doing work while at work. So, but it does kind of stink that I'm not able to be at training camp every single day. So it'll be Monday and Tuesday for next week that I'll be there. Are you allowed to say that working at work? That's not work. They, they know, they know I work. I'm very stuff while I'm there. They're, they're usually asking me like, Oh, what's the, what's the next article? I'm like, you have to wait to see. So well, yeah, it's not they, bad. Okay. Just making sure you're not exposing yourself here on the podcast. want to make sure you stay employed. Uh, but Mason, how about you? A, a good week? <laughs> Overall, pretty good. Uh, felt a little tired. I think, uh, after the highs of Saturday, going back to, you know, my real job and just having to do, do that was, was not as fun. And then of course, Various news coming out kind of drug you down during the week as well. But, you know, still alive, still here, still kicking. And you're excited to go to the game as a fan this week. A little different experience, but I'm sure you're still very excited uh, to go out there. And uh, what section are you in? I think I'm in the 300s, if I recall correctly. You know, it was just that nice middle ground where I wasn't breaking the bank for the ticket, but not too high up either. And uh, my wife's going to be the only game she's really gone to she's never been to a game so it'll be uh nice to do that uh sad part is no meatball subs you know we got those in the press box not going to get those in the stands no but i'm certain you can find some delicious grub at soldier field albeit through your own wallet by the way nice visor yeah you know i found this pretty cool company chicago audible they got some sweet merch out and you know this is great for me because i got you know the mohawk fade going on so i can still rock that you know, with the visor, wait on my bucket hat to show up still, but I got everything else. 
you're getting there. I, I liked all the swag uh, that you purchased, and we'll talk about how listeners of the show can get some Chicago Audible merchandise uh, and about the halfway point, so stay tuned for that. So this episode, we're going to go in-depth to everything that we're watching in all three phases, but before we get into game-specific conversation, I want to take a step back and take a look at a major item this week, and that's Tevin Jenkins, who had back surgery on Wednesday, the Bears' second-round pick uh, that they traded up to get is now officially sidelined indefinitely. It was said that they were going to try, you know, they did try to work through this issue, but it just wasn't getting any better. So even though they tried to avoid the surgery, it ended up being the route Jenkins had to kind of venture for his rookie season. Now, the Bears haven't really discussed what the injury is, nor the procedure that took place, which makes it extremely difficult to determine, A, how severe it was, and what that road to recovery looks like. But I'll say, luckily for us, we have a physical therapist on the panel, Mason. So, Mason, I want to go to you. I'm just curious, what are some of the possibilities as to what we may be dealing here with in terms of uh, Jenkins' injury and maybe some of your long-term concerns or maybe lack thereof uh, when it comes to this Jenkins news? Uh, really leaning on you for the expertise. I mean, this is why I'm here, right? Yep. Uh, like like you said, you know, there's a lot of speculation. Literally, you could, all they said surgery for the back and that has a litany of possibilities there could be but you can kind of piece together what might have actually occurred there based on some of the things they said so you know for example tevin jenkins has had this back pain since college and you know at various times has to mention the tightness and the pain so we know that, that those were the main symptoms that he started with and it came out that he had new symptoms so really, when you're dealing with something like back pain and you talk about new symptoms, you've already talked about tightness, you talked about pain, spasms, things like that, you really do have to start to think about things like nerve involvement, right? Burning, numbness, tingling, sciatica-esque stuff. So that's where my mind went to when you start to hear that. And then when you hear some of the reports from, I believe it was Ian Rappaport, who talks about, well, they expect it to be completely cleared. They expect it to be an easy surgery. And let's put a preface on that. No surgery is an easy surgery. You're getting cut open. There's always a chance for some type of complication. But that really does lead me to believe it's something either along the lines of a microdisectomy, a laminectomy, a foraminectomy, something of that nature due to uh, nerve involvement, right? And that would, would be something that would be very difficult to play with. I mean, you can sometimes push through tightness. You can push through pain. Nerve pain is a whole different animal, radiculopathy. You get myotomal or sensation change, or excuse me, muscle changes. You get dermatomal changes as in sensation. You can't really push past that. So when you wrap all that together, especially when they say it was relatively simple, because if you have a microdisectomy, usually you're walking out the same day, like walking out, okay. uh, which is good, right? And really you get like a half inch incision, cut into it, preserve as much tissue as possible. You just take some of the disc away to decompress the nerve. So from there... The bigger question in terms of recovery, and on average, it can really be anywhere from 2.8 to 8.7 months. There's this great study out there done, I believe it was in 2015, that looked at about 450 different athletes and just look at what their outcomes were, and that was more or less the average. Um, and that's why it's very hard for the Bears right now to say where they're going to go with this because, yeah, he could be back in November based on what I think Adam Schefter was saying, but he could also be done with, with football for the year, especially if you're trying to protect your second round pick, maybe he could come back depending on the Bears record and all these other factors. You, you have to take into consideration as well that about 75 to hundred percent of athletes are able to return to their sport and really elite athletes reach about an average of 65% and at the bottom end, or actually up to 105% of their baseline values. So 
some athletes are better. They come back better than they ever were. Some athletes are, are half the person they were. So as a physical therapist, I'm biased. What's really going to matter is what Tevin is doing today, what he's doing tomorrow, like the rehab he gets. And the quality of the rehab is going to be imperative. A part of that, too, when you think about the position, right, and the boy this really came from, that lumbar extension is huge in offensive linemen, right? You're getting jacked back constantly. And if he doesn't can really heavily work on that core activation, that hip mobility, everything like that, he could have a much more difficult road. But that's more long, long-term value thought process, right? Like, is he going to have – how long is the career? That would be the concern. Is he going to have a six- to eight-year career or is he going to have, you know, a 10- to 12-year career? Like someone we're going to talk about later, Jason Peters probably. <laughs> and really short-term, should be fine, should be back. It's just a matter of do they push him for this year. My guess is he's done for the year, more so to be safe than sorry. Yeah, and that leads me to actually, Nick, I'm just curious to your headspace about this just situation in general because I'm personally, I, and I feel like a lot of Bears fans are frustrated uh, at it just because of all the hype uh, that we've had around Tevin Jenkins since even the pre-draft process when we were raving about him, dreaming about Tevin Jenkins being a uh, Chicago Bear. But Mason said, it, you know, back injuries, they're super serious. And even though I'm feeling a lot of angst, I'm still trying to tell myself to remain positive and patient because we all know what type of talent Jenkins is. It's just a matter of getting him back there on the field and ideally in a very healthy and safe environment. We just may not see him as soon as we thought. So for you specifically, Nick, uh, how does it kind of alter your expectations for Tevin Jenkins, the pro, and also just the Bears' offensive line heading into the season? Well, I mean, injuries happen. So seeing that Tevin it's unfortunate for sure. The thing that I think frustrates me the most about this whole entire situation is when Matt Nagy was asked why Jason Peters was here. And he said it wasn't because of Tevin Jenkins and his health. When clearly, come on, like, and he kept saying that he's heading in the right direction. Yeah, heading in the right direction to surgery. That's what he should have been saying and being just straightforward with the media. But it's term of expectations for this offensive line. Well, you were really anticipating Tevin Jenkins being a part of that and why that whole unit takes an uptick and being a better unit that they were towards the end of the season, right? But now the Bears have to adjust, and that's what Matt Nagy's been talking about, whether it's going to be with Jason Peters. Elijah Wilkinson's also in the mix to be that guy that competing at that left tackle, but it was nice that the Bears did get you know James Daniels back to solidify the interior. So you're getting some guys back, and we're still waiting to see what happens with Jermaine Effetti. But you know it's unfortunate for Tevin Jenkins. You're hoping that he recovers well and is able to be the player that you know the Bears thought he would be, and that fans were anticipating to see this season that physical, you know, just person that can maul people and just open up rushing lanes. But it is unfortunate, and for people that are calling him the next Kevin White, Chris Williams, like let's calm down like it's it's a new and it's something new like they knew about the back injuries and they were straightforward with that but when Matt Nagy said it was just something different it's like stuff happens he's he's a rookie let's let it kind of play out see what his recovery is like and then we can evaluate and kind of talk about it at a later date but like the whole Chris Williams Kevin White stuff I don't get that and it should just it shouldn't be happening right now honestly Nick, that's why I keep you around. You mentioned it. That was my secondary question for you. Like, what would your message be? Because I knew it would be something of substance and you would kind of, you know, ground some people, not like a punishment, but like get them centered a little bit. And he did that unprovokingly. Uh, so just want to let you know, I appreciate that, making my job just a little bit easier as host. Uh, but up next, we're going to begin sharing what's on our radar for this weekend's preseason game and all three phases. But first, Nick, 
back to you. You know the drill. You have a message from our good friends over at Manscaped that I'm just dying to hear. I'm sure our listeners know the drill by now. So attention listeners from across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. If you're looking for an out-of-world experience, look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off not only in the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, I see you smiling, Will. You'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and travel bag to hold all your goodies together. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trendy and beyond, your space balls will thank you. I think Brady is just so proud of you and that read. That was I don't think that was him. Like I could usually hear it, but I heard that I don't know if that was through I don't know. I cause I heard whatever Mason? that was. That was on my end. Oh, it wasn't Nick this time with a little with a dog. So I, I'm ha- I don't have a canine home, so I have a kid, but he has a little bit better sense of boundaries uh, than that. But Alas, uh, apparently your doggo was proud of Nick and his Manscaped read, huh? Oh, I mean, he's, he's a huge Manscaped canine. You know, you couldn't find uh, another dog that is more committed to the Manscaped legend. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> well, guys, I'm ready to dive on into our discussion. And this week, prepare to flip your notes because I want to start with this Bears defense, a unit that demonstrated some of that newfound life and tenacity that we've heard and seen all throughout camp against the Dolphins. They had those eight PBUs, seven tackles for a loss, three sacks, and two takeaways throughout the entirety of the game. Plus, the unit was just dominant in the red zone, allowing no touchdowns in three trips inside the 20. Now it's time to see if Sean Desai's unit can keep up that level of play. Uh, I don't have any big kind of overarching topics that kind of encompass the entire defense. And again, it's the second of three preseason games. So my best foot forward is going to be, let's just break it down by position and tell our fans what we're looking for. So let's start in the trenches, defensive line. Let's start with Eddie Goldman. Uh, He's back here this week. Didn't see him last week. Nick, do you expect to see Eddie Goldman out there? And some questions that I have, if so, is how much playing time does he get and how does he look? Again, he missed last week while on the COVID list. And this will be his first time suiting up for the Bears in the game since the 2019 season. Yeah, so I do expect Eddie Goldman to play, but not not too much, honestly. Well, really, that's starting defense. I know maybe things will be different for you know the offensive players, but really defensively, I think Sean decides starting to get a, an idea of really what this full unit can be. And you see that through the training camp practices, just kind of getting everybody back. But, yeah, I think you will see a bit of Eddie Goldman. But I think what these preseason games are more set for is like the Kairos Tongas of the world that was, should be getting more of those reps. But, yeah, I, I'm, you would, should expect to see number 91 out there, just not for a significant amount of time because that's obviously a guy you want to see in the regular season. 
But, yeah, for the first maybe two or three series, if that starting defense and maybe they'll have some subs in there, um, you want to see number 91 and see how he kind of holds up against this Buffalo Bills team. Would you rebuke any of that, Mason? Because Nick said he'd rather see a Tonga out there. And personally, not seeing Eddie Goldman play again for over a season, I think he needs to get out there, get into game shape, get calloused a bit. And Mason, I'm going to you because I believe it was one of the Countdown to Camp episodes, if not maybe last week's preseason. Are you talking about the difference of being in shape or you know being in game shape? And I think there's an entire difference. I agree with you. So do you think Eddie should be out there? Uh, not a decent chunk, but when the starters are out there, he should be the nose tackle. Yeah, absolutely. I think he should be getting starter reps with as long as the rest of the starters are out there outside. Maybe if, you know, Kendall Vildor just like last week goes a little longer than we expected him to. Um, we I had questions about his conditioning and game shape before he had to sit out again for part of training camp. So he hasn't even had as many reps as we thought he was going to have, right. you know, up to this point. So if you're not and we're getting close to the season here, you really do have to get the reps in while you can, especially in live contact, right? We, there is a huge difference between pushing a bag, pushing a teammate, or actually trying to, you know, take on three blockers who are trying to kill you kind of a thing. So I would expect him to get more reps than probably most people would think he would. Um, at the end of the day, though, I mean, they're constantly are rotating out that position anyway, you know, just because of the nature of the position. It's not like they're just sitting there for entire stretches regardless. But um, I would really hope that he goes the distance with the chunk of the starters. I would hope so, too. Uh, again, in he, he's a nose tackle. So when they go into those nickel packages, he's off the field. He's getting that breather. Uh, so ideally, though, he can find a way to get some of that good work uh, and then kind of ease into that season. I want him not getting used to playing in football games come week one. But, Nick, how about you? Defensive line, I was going to ask what's on your list, but I'm dang near certain the next one you're going to mention is your guy. Yeah, Angelo Blackson, man. He had such an impressive performance in game one against the Dolphins. Let's see how he kind of builds off of that. And a guy that's going to be in that rotation, like we've talked about before, but seeing that he could still you know, put together, like Matt Nagy's always talked about, stacking – not only stacking practices, but now stacking preseason games too as well. So I want to see what Blackson can do against new competition. Obviously, he's not familiar with, with the Buffalo Bills like they were, they were the Dolphins having those joint practices. So you're seeing these opponents for the first time, and so you, you maybe pick up a little bit on their tendencies. I know they don't watch a lot of film just kind of going into these games, but just seeing what Angelo Blackson could do because, like we said on the postgame show, well, living in the backfield for number 90 there. So let's see what Angel Blackson could do at his second attempt against another opponent. Now we can look at the starters, but again, it's Akeem Hicks. What do I want to see out of Akeem that I haven't seen before? I, I can't name anything right now. He looked fine in his little bit of time. Again, just building up that conditioning. I know he missed a practice this week. Uh, they didn't give any reason into it. I don't really feel like we need to discuss that unless either of you want to stop me. But if he had to take a personal day, so be it, whatever that may be. Uh, outside of that, though, Bilal Nichols, kind of in the same deal. I know it's a contract year for him, but preseason, game two, as long as he's putting in good reps, looking strong, that's really about it. This game's more about some of those other guys getting that experience. So I'm excited to see guys like a Daniel Archibong, maybe like a Mike Pinnell. You know, they did have a pretty good end to that game last week. And I know them making this roster 
very long odds just given the depth uh, that the Bears do had with have with that defensive line. Uh, each of those guys had a sack last week, um, but still to build off of that and show that they can be valuable members of maybe the Bears practice squad or putting on some good tape for an, uh, someone else once they're on waivers. Uh, that's very important for some of these guys this week, but how about you, Mason? Is there any other defenders or any other talking points or storylines that you're following when it comes to this unit specifically? When it comes to like the D line, I mean, like you said, there's a couple guys like Daniel Archibong. I mean, he's not this other guy. He's not technically D line, but Sam Kamara. There's there there are they could really grab a position still, and can they make an impact to make the end of that roster? Especially because at the end of the day, pass rush is king, right? And so are are they able to put pressure on the quarterback? Are they able to uphold against the run? Which at times the Bears have faltered against the run obviously with, the, with Eddie Goldman coming back we're hoping that changes but as you also just said he's not going to always be on the field in those nickel packages things like that we need some of those other players to continue uh, the controlling that run game without a doubt Nick real quick on Tonga when we did count down to camp we mentioned that eat with a nose tackle given the Bears other roster constraints and just playing the numbers game it may not make a sense for the Bears to keep two nose tackles on the active roster, but he did show some good things playing with the ones last week, getting some of that extended time. Can does, Do you think there is a case to be made for Tonga if he continues to have a strong preseason to somehow find his way on this active roster come week one, especially with uh, Amario Edwards, who is not going to be able to play for those first two weeks? I think so. Like he was, like we talked about, well, he wasn't someone that was guaranteed a lock on this roster by any means, especially being a seventh round draft pick. But if he's already being the guy that's taking place of Eddie Goldman, first one in there, like in the training camp practices, he's the nose tackle. So again, stacking those preseason games is going to have way more value than even these, these practices that, that the bears have been having now 17 practices in. So I think if Tonga really has a good showing in against the Bills and then just, you know, obviously the final game, then, yeah, you make the case that he can possibly earn that spot. But I, I think it is the outside looking in just because of the the position. And usually you, you are carrying one guy and just having a good deep rotation of guys that can fill in. Like Bilal Nichols was playing the nose last year. Maybe not his best position, but you can have guys kind of do that. But, again, we saw what that kind of does. It opens up some running lanes if you don't have the right guy playing that nose tackle position. There we go. Yeah, even with Eddie Goldman coming back, Tonga has a lot to play for, decent amount to prove, and I think he has an opportunity here that he can seize if the cards fall into his favor. Uh, I don't have anything else on the defensive line, so I'm going to move over to outside linebacker here. And, Mason, I'll go to you first. What is priority number one when you're watching this unit on Saturday afternoon? Who are who's going to be the third outside linebacker? Is really still the biggest thing for me. Is it going to be Travis Gibson? He got a lot of play time last week. You know, and he had some pretty solid flashes. You know, you uh, you want a couple more sacks here and there. You want a couple more tackles for losses, of course. But he didn't do anything to really hurt his stock at all. I thought he did pretty well overall. And then, are you going to see someone like a Charles Snowden? make some more plays you know he had a couple here and there didn't get as many snaps obviously as some of the other players but can he actually make a little bit more of the opportunities that he has what about you nick i think a guy like jeremiah tachu just seeing hearing his name a little bit more i feel like in this training camp you haven't seen number 50 all too much have there been plays here and there yeah there definitely have been but just seeing a little bit more of jeremiah tachu and even just building in that rotation with the starters when Robert Quinn, like, we don't know, probably Robert Quinn's not going to get many snaps in this this preseason game. So if he goes and fills in, 
you want to see number 50 kind of pop out there and show that he's capable of getting to that quarterback, you know, finishing the play. But, yeah, just seeing a little bit more of those impact plays from Jeremiah Atachi would be nice to see in this preseason game. Yep, Atachi's on my radar. Someone I was very happy the Bears signed this offseason had an okay Bears debut, but I still believe there's a lot more room for him to kind of prove what he's all about and getting that gear running just a, a, a little bit. Mentioned Snowden, you know, Gibson too last week. It was another player that big opportunity for him, and it was kind of a hit or miss. So, Nick, are there any positives that you want to see Gibson build off of and some of those negatives that you want to see him clean up? Yeah, he had a nice nice little rush there where it was an outside-inside move and getting to the quarterback to force him you know, outside the pocket. So that was really good. But really it's going to see how he does the other stuff like we were talking about containing the edges where I want to see you know, Travis Gibson just be more consistent at because there were a lot of runs from the Dolphins that just went on the outside, and that was to that side where Travis Gibson was defending. So is it all his job? No, but he is a big part of really putting everything inside. So just really wanted to see if he can improve in that aspect of his game because I, I've i seen all the pass rush moves that he's been doing to these Bears tackles. And, well, to be completely honest, you know, second, third stringers, probably guys that won't be on the team, but he's at least putting those moves out there. So really just want to see him do the basic stuff, so setting the edge. Yeah, considering the Bears tackle situation, I don't know if <laughs> Travis Gibson succeeding in those practices – has a lot of weight just right now. So that's what the preseason's about. So we can go out there and show it in a game setting. Mason, anything else in this positional unit, or do you want to move on to the inside guys? The only thing I would throw out there is some of Robert Quinn's comments were a little interesting. You know, just coming straight up out and saying that he really doesn't more or less want to be playing in a three, four. And it's like, you kind of knew what you were signing up for. You're here. You know, I don't know if I'd be saying that I, you know, it's kind of like that's one of those things maybe you talk to your coaches about, but you don't really say in a press conference, um, especially after the year that you had. Just play, man. Just come out. Just come out and play. Yeah, that was a, a little interesting. Uh, I wasn't going to bring it up unless someone else did, uh, but you did. But yeah, it's you think those would be internal conversations. But uh, Mason, you said it just right. He signed up for it. I know he got a lot of money out of it. He's not going to. I don't think he's someone the Bears are going to change their defensive scheme for. Just a hunch. Uh, so, you know, kind of suit up and just get to work. It may not be your best fit, which I think we all know may not be. Um, but let's make the most of what we can do. And maybe Sean Desai will find ways to kind of give him some of those 4-3 looks inside of a 3-4 scheme. He's creative. He can find a way to maybe get that done come the regular season. But moving inside, let's talk about Alec Ogletree because he is just someone that, yep, put a smile right on Mason's face. I knew exactly what I was doing. So last week, he gave up that really big pass play early on, but immediately after the fact, came into his zone. It's kind of like a wake-up call for him. Got him in the zone. So I'm curious, you know, does Ogletree continue to kind of stake claim and make his best case to be on the final roster? Uh, he's already now ahead of both Josh Woods and Joel E.A. Booneyway on the depth chart. He has moved up just a little bit. Nick, do you expect him to stay there? And also, are you even here? Are you both gone? I'm still here. You're still here. Okay, just making sure. I think we lost <laughs> Nick. So we're all having some fun technical difficulties here today. It's okay. Uh, those nights tend to happen. So, Mason, did you hear everything I mentioned about Ogletree? I did. I, did. I heard all that. <laughs> okay. So when it comes to Alec Ogletree, 
where is your headspace? Is he inside linebacker four? Can he push for number three? I still hear the chatter that he can push for Danny Trevathan's job. I just don't buy it. Yeah, I think that's pretty aggressive to say he can push for Danny Trevathan's job. Uh, the things we've seen from Alec Ogletree have, you know, it's been in training camp, right? It's been in situations. Oh, look, next back. It's been in situations um, where you're playing maybe not against always against the ones, you know, you know, your, your offense a little bit. I mean, I obviously he was new to camp, so he didn't know what that all that well. Um, I know I had said that I had him go stock down a little bit in that game. And, and the reason for me personally was like, we know he can play the run. That's something he did in his entire career. That's something even when he was with the Jets, he was still doing well. My question going into that game was, can he cover? And then there was a big play that said that that might be in question a little bit. And so for me, especially if he's going to be backing up Rokon Smith, right, who already has been hurt this year, he hasn't really finished the season healthy. And so if he has to take that spot, that's a concern for me because Roquan's going to be the main linebacker that might have to drop in coverage. So if you have, you know, a Trevathan Ogletree pairing at some point, that coverage is going to be, is very, very important to me. So that's why I said what I said, but he definitely has taken advantage of his opportunities. Even anyway, hasn't stepped up. Ogletree has. Woods hasn't stepped up. Ogletree has. Yeah. For me, he's right there. Linebacker three, four. Okay. Nick, despite your best efforts to evade this question, I really want to know your thoughts about Alec Ogletree. In uh, his right now, again, he's sitting above Iggy. He's sitting above Josh Woods. When preseason's over, is that where you expect him to be? Obviously, he has another chance to kind of prove what he has, maybe build on some of that uh, coverage skills uh, that Mason kind of was uh, picking at a, a little bit. Uh, that was his one blown coverage, a couple steps behind. That could be cleaned up, just getting you know that read a little bit quicker. Um, but just what are your thoughts on Ogletree after one game and heading into number two? Well, where he's at the depth chart and you know throw Christian Jones in there as well, It's it's fitting. Because the other two guys, Josh Woods, who just started practicing two days ago, and Joel E.A. Buniwe, haven't shown you anything that they should be, you know, in place of a Danny Trevathan or Roquan Smith if they were to be injured. Or, look, they haven't been practicing the last couple days. It's still Alec Ogletree and Christian Jones taking the first team reps with that first team defense. So, absolutely, where he's at is probably best for this team because you don't want to see the other two guys out there. They haven't shown you anything that they can play in those spots um you know Mike Kosecki is a good tight end he's a guy that made some plays in the joint practices and Al Gogletree was a step slow he obviously knows that he can't do that and you know make this roster consistently but I would say for the most part he has been in coverage he knows he looks comfortable dropping back and being in spots so I think you with especially what, what he was doing to Bears quarterbacks early on it's quieted down for sure but where he's at as that linebacker three and we pairing with Christian Jones there as a the backups, that fits. And that's where it should be at. Cause like I said, the other two guys, they haven't shown me anything and they haven't done really much since they've gotten here to Chicago. Really good points. I can't really dispute any of that. For me, when it comes to Ogletree, a couple of things. Uh, first and foremost, I'm so excited uh, that he's here and I believe his ascension into the depth chart and where it's probably going to stick gets the Bears where they were in that 2019 season, right, with the backup quality of uh, Nick Kukowski, a KPL, and that's been kind of corrected because last year we knew inside linebacking depth was non-existent, and that's why they brought in the Manti Teo and everything towards the end of the season. So that's been fixed, uh, and it took a little while. Uh, you got in, you brought in Christian Jones back. 
cool. And then Ogletree being this late signing, I think is going to be a huge blessing that the Bears are going to really be thankful for this season. But then on the flip side, you've talked about Josh Woods just now getting back from injury. hasn't shown much, but I want to make sure to put the spotlight on him too. Like, hey man, this is your chance to show it. Like, I know you have some special teams in you, but now the pressure's on. You have a guy that is taking your job. I want to see how he responds once he sees the field here this Saturday afternoon. Anything else on the inside, guys? I don't know what to expect in terms of, are we going to see Roquan, Danny? Are they going to be out there? Uh, the only thing about Danny Trebathan, if you saw the 1920 football drive, Nick, we found out who drives that awesome car. Yeah, we finally found out. I was like wondering which Bears player has those neon green lines going through his car. Danny Trevathan. I wouldn't have expected that, but it doesn't surprise. I don't know. It was. I'm just glad we found out who it was. Yeah, me too. I forgot to text you immediately, um, but I also saved it in my notes here. So we're all caught up. Let's move over to the secondary and let's take a look at the Bears cornerbacks. And Nick, you have a new cornerback on your radar. Yeah, so if we're looking just at the outside, I mean, I think we have to throw Artie Burns into the mix of potential guys that are looking to solidify themselves as that opposite starter uh, of Jalen Johnson because Artie Burns was getting those first team reps in the two practices that I was at. And, you know, it did switch throughout the practices, and I don't know how it looked in today's practice or yesterday's, but we've seen Kendall Vildor get first-team reps. We've seen Desmond Trufant get first-team reps, and now Artie Burns. And Artie Burns is making a lot of plays on that Tuesday practice, so that's a guy to keep an eye on. And this is a guy in last year's training camp was also getting first-team reps before he went down to ACL injury. So there's something there, and Sean Desai, this Bears, they're trying to figure that out. And the same could be said with the nickel corner position, but Artie Burns is a guy that I'm just looking to see how much he plays because he didn't get to play um, in in the last preseason game. So what is he what is he doing? How many reps do he take? Is it similar to what Vildor did? And we didn't see Desmond Trufant in the first game either. So I think that's going to be really key to determine, you know, just what this coaching staff really thinks of Burns and just that cornerback position in general. Nick, if we don't see Desmond Trufant this week, he's not a bear, right? And it, it's it's leaning towards that way because I think they say he didn't practice in Tuesday because of a personal personal day or something along those lines. And yeah, you just you're not seeing twenty one you're not seeing twenty one out there, which you know is not a good sign for somebody who signed what a one year deal, a million just over a million dollars in guaranteed money. So there's not a good financial investment in him and if he's not playing well on the field you have guys that are looking to take that job and if he's not even reaching the game field you can't evaluate him like you are the other guys I think that would be a very unfair evaluation and comparison if they're trying to find a spot for him on this roster and then of course and we've mentioned it so I'll just be brief he doesn't make sense being a backup because he's not going to provide you any of that special team play that you would need out of a backup corner on this roster. So I think if you're a Bears fan, look for 21. If you don't see him on Saturday afternoon, you're not going to see him come week one. And no, that's not my bold prediction. I think that's pretty much uh, clear as day. But how about you, Mason? When you're looking at this cornerback group, any specific players or any specific nuances that you're kind of paying attention to? I want to see if someone steps up in that slot role. Right now, it's still so ambiguous. There's no one that's really done anything great. There's no one that's done anything to warrant, you know, not being brought back at this point. And I really thought I'd see a little more out of Thomas Graham, uh, honestly. 
you know, nothing like groundbreaking or anything, but just like noticing him and flash a little bit more. But so far, it's been a little quiet, especially in that preseason game. So hopefully that this next game, he can get his hands on some more balls. There you go. That's a T-shirt. On top of that as well, Trey Roberson. Speaking of hands-on balls, Trey Roberson led the team with two PBUs last week's game, and he's someone that, heading into the game, uh, I mentioned in the preview that I was hoping he would make some splash plays because he needs it. He's someone that the Bears were high on, signed him from the CFL, and here we are a year later, and he's still pretty buried on that depth chart. So for me, I'm watching Trey Roberson, how he responds to not moving up, uh, Thomas Graham Jr. is still ahead of him uh, as well. And can he continue to stack together another good game? And again, not maybe for the Bears, but if so, elsewhere. Maybe still practice squad as well. So I'm really interested to see how Trey Roberson responds too. Uh, Nick, did you have anything else at the corner, or do you want to move over to safety? You know, it's, this guy plays a little bit of both, so we can go kind of in between sure. here. And I'll start with Marquis Christian being a guy that I'm looking forward to playing that safety position, but also he was playing that kind of hybrid role as that, that fifth DB on the field, like that nickel corner. And he made some plays against Justin Fields in that Tuesday practice. He was in on the fumble that happened in the Dolphins game. So 43 has been showing up a little bit here. And obviously Duke Shelley has, he's gotten most of the first team reps, that nickel cornerback position, but Marquis Christian, who plays a little bit of that safety can play in the slot as that that fifth DB. He's an interesting guy to watch just in terms of, well, is he going to be the guy that plays in the slot on, on Sundays? So that's a guy that I'll be definitely keying in on in terms of this Buffalo Bills game, how long he's playing too, because he was playing into that, that fourth quarter. But a very interesting guy because he, he's pretty versatile, just like Duke Shelley is with going inside-outside. But Marky Christian can play that safety position, but also in the slot there. So keep an eye on him for sure. Yeah, he's been catching a lot of attention throughout Bears camp. Did a decent job last week. Let's see how he builds upon it. Mason, Eddie Jackson, Tashawn Gibson, do we get to see them play? I hope we do. I mean, at this point, it's been a while since we've seen Eddie Jackson do a lot. So it would be really nice to see kind of where he's at. We talked about, you know, leading up to camp, the missed tackles were something that we, we were in love with. I know I specifically highlighted that. Um, I don't it's not like I expect him all of a sudden to get a pick six in the preseason. You know, that's expecting a little too much. But is he willing to stick his nose in there? Because right? there were a little bit too many times where, you know, he did he would dive, roll his shoulder to try to take out somebody's legs. But at the same time, it's a preseason game. <laughs> you know, let's not take it, like, you know, too, too seriously. But we got to knock some of that rust off, too, because he did miss some really viable reps in training camp. You did, yeah. Getting a, Very similar to Eddie Goldman, not nearly as extreme because Eddie Jackson didn't miss an entire season. But with an offseason, you still got to get calloused. You still got to get in game shape and really just adjust to game speed. Even if it's preseason game speed, that's a step up from practice and is one step closer to what we'll see here in just a few weeks. Uh, looking at my radar, uh, Dion Bush, I know he made some good plays last week. Let's see how he can do that again, uh, being that First safety off the board if they need to have a sub replacement as well. And then Jordan Lucas, uh, he didn't really wow anyone. Uh, So it's it's really, to me, it's his opportunity to turn things around. If not, he may be uh, close to being on that verge of the next roster cuts. If I had to guess, he already lost uh, both punt returner and kick returner duties on the depth chart. Uh, Last week, I know he was listed somewhere on him, and then he had those reps, but now he's not even existent uh, when you look at those Bears depth chart that they released here this week. Uh, So I think Jordan Lucas has a, a big game ahead of him uh, if he wants to continue to stick around here throughout Bears camp. 
Uh, and then, Nick, how about you in terms of Tease Tabor? Anything for a Tease that you're specifically looking for, or is he someone that is on your radar, or does any current headspace with him? I think just being around the ball for Tease Tabor. He was doing that in, you know, in some of these training camp practices, and again, more of a long shot for him to, to make this team, but he's someone, unlike Desmond Trufant, can add special teams value if you're looking to still carry an extra DB. So that's just somebody that these – two preseason games are vital so we just got to see what he can do but if he's around the football that that's usually a good indication of what he can do and you just know he can add some special teams value all right so guys i just want to name uh, we are running a little long it's just kind of the what happens when you have an in-depth podcast like we do but i just want to know who you think has the most game or to lose i'm sure we talked about the player already uh, so i just want to know the name and i'm actually going to split the workload here so nick who has the most to gain i think kendall vildor um, because that's just a position where Sean decides looking to see somebody take advantage of the opportunities at hand right now. So Kendall Vilder has the most to gain. Mason, who has the most to lose? I was stuck between Ebeniwe and this other guy, but I'm just going to say Drew Font for the reason you said earlier. If he doesn't play in this game, he's got to be just gone. Okay, yeah, very good point. Simple enough. And, Nick, what's one lesson that the defense you think will teach us this week? I felt like we're all pretty close to what they did show us last week. What's that next lesson? The turnover bucket is a real thing to motivate these players to create these these turnovers that were lacking last season. I think Sean Desai has these guys really motivated to create those turnovers. And you saw you saw some of those happen with the, the fumble and the interception from – backup players but i think that carries over and it's just something that fuels the entire defense so that's a lesson we'll learn after seeing mitchell trubisky take a majority of the staffs no josh allen it's mitchell trubisky coming back to soldier field so we might see that turnover bucket a little more often than maybe you know another opportunity <laughs> oh man shots fired by mr moriano my lesson real quick very similar to yours i just thought we we're gonna just prove yet again that this bears defense It's just a dominant group that makes big plays. So similar to last week, so maybe it's not a new lesson learned, but just a lesson that is reinforced. Mason, do you have anything different? And that will wrap up our defensive discussion. Uh, The only lesson I think is that the Bears are going to have Mitch's number. Ooh, all right. So that's going to do it for our breakdown of this Bears defense. Up next, we're going to talk about the Bears offense. But first, I just wanted to share a quick announcement Uh, we've officially opened up a merch store for the first time since 2018 so if you want a chicago audible shirt hat mug and more head over to chicagoaudible.com slash shop to support our show and rock some gear i haven't put anything on social media about this yet Uh, i just want our show listeners to hear about this first so again you can support our show and get some of the first ever Chicago Audible gear. Uh, the last time we had a store, it was with our old branding. Uh, so but just head over to chicagoaudible.com slash shop. All right, let's move on to the other side of the ball and shift our attention to the Bears offense that really struggled last week until Justin Fields' third series of the game. Now, we're expecting to see more of the starters on Saturday. Matt Nagy said about a quarter and a half. In our postgame show, we all mentioned that we didn't see really much of anything out of Andy Dalton, um, but he really wasn't given much of an opportunity, uh, and his receivers didn't gain much separation. So, Mason, I'll go to you first. Uh, how do you expect Nagy's approach to the starters to be different compared to last week in addition to just a more playing time? And what can Dalton do to maybe soften some of that chatter and to prove that is it is indeed 
uh, his time, which I know you, you don't buy for a second. Like, there was such an interesting choice of words by Andy Dalton, by the way, considering, you know, this is my year, the, the Michael Lennon quote that still rings today. Um, I probably would have said something a little different, but that's what else do you want him to say in that situation, right? He's here to play the best football he can. He is currently the QB one. So he's going to act and play like it. Um, like you said, they should get more time. I think it's in theory, maybe a quarter and a half is what they're talking about. I would expect Nagy to open up the playbook a little bit more because he needs to help Andy Dalton too, in terms of helping quiet that chatter. If it's just consistent, you know, run, run slant, and that's all they're going to do. And they're going to get these three and outs then no, it's going to be very difficult for Andy Dalton to, to quiet the crowd, I guess you could say, and that chatter that's going on behind the scenes. So I would expect a couple of more, you know, more shots. Um, no, they're not going to do the same type of electric plays you might do with the Justin Fields, rolling the pocket, moving the pocket in that way. But just letting him, because Nagy's the one that has said, if we could start a game tomorrow, Andy Dalton will be ready. So call some of the plays that show that he is ready. I like it. How about you, Nick? Can you build off of that and kind of just put into like your expectations for Andy Dalton here in his second Bears preseason game Uh, again with how Justin Fields was received the praise after last week's game I think he needs to show something or else that's just going to get louder and louder and deafening at some point it it definitely will but he does need Matt Nagy like Mason was saying to kind of help him out with that and give him plays that really cater to his strengths as a quarterback and those are those anticipatory throws so having those back shoulder fades where you need your obviously receiver and quarterback to have that perfect timing we've seen him do that connect with that type of throw to Allen robinson darnell mooney throughout this entire training camp so incorporate some of that stuff so we could see what andy dawn's all about and you know what he said about this it but right now it's my time i kind of like that from andy dalton i really do just someone that's fiery and knowing like hey like, I am quarterback one. I'm, you know, for, for this training camp, I think for the most part he's had a good to, you know, decent training camp where he's showing what he's capable of. He's running the offense, you know, effectively. Are there bad days? Of course. But I think Matt Nagy needs to almost, like, take off the training wheels. I don't even know if that's the right phrase, but actually call plays that are going to put Andy Dalton in a position to succeed and get this offense actually sustaining drives. Because obviously it did not happen until, what, 40 seconds left in the second quarter when Justin Fields finally came in. So in the offensive line, it wasn't because of the offensive line. I think it was just a little bit of the Dolphins playing really good coverage on some of these receivers, but just maybe not the right types of plays. And that's interesting in itself because there was so much, and obviously Justin Fields is a great athlete, but just getting outside the pocket – is it just two entirely different offenses that we're running with? Or, like, how does Matt Nagy kind of manage that? And I think just seeing the type of plays that maybe we'll see a little bit more of in this preseason game can give us a better idea of what what the offense really is. Is it going to just be that for Justin Fields? Or is he going to be asked to stay in the pocket like what they did for Andy Dalton? Because Fields is definitely capable of it, and Dalton is a better athlete than I think people give him credit for yeah, running slants when the opposing team is playing press man and they're jamming well isn't really helping anybody. So, agreed. Matt Nagy needs to find a way to make the offense with the starters, and he has more time to work with now. It's not a snap count. It's going to be more of a time count. Uh, so, let's make things a little less vanilla, and let's see what Matt Nagy can do. But with all of that said, 
and I haven't said that in a long time, uh, we have to talk about Justin Fields. Uh, what does the kid do to show that he's grown from last week? Uh, is that uh, you know is that a faster start out of him getting out of the gate a little bit more quickly, or maybe it's just the ability to replicate that sort of performance again? Uh, everything we saw a week ago felt real good in terms of his poise and his command, as well as his ability to make plays. However, Nick, you've seen it. It's been a tough week for Fields at practice. Uh, he's also working through some groin soreness, had to miss a practice. I know the Bears are being super conservative, I think was the quote, when it came to that injury, which I appreciate uh, at this time. also believe it kind of shows Matt Nagy that maybe Justin Fields can be a guy that can start tomorrow if he had to miss some time or had to be you know, put on uh, in a split-second decision. But Mason, I'll go to you first. What's the next step here for Justin in Week 2? As much as I loved what I saw out of Justin Fields last week, you know, in terms of his, his scramble touchdown and the one that he had to Jesse James, I was wide open. There was a part of me that wished that there was a little more challenge to some of those scores. Not to say that that run, for example, was not difficult, but, you know, Jesse James was wide open. Like, you wish that it was like something where we could have seen that touch a little bit more, that you could, you know, maybe a tighter window, something like a timing, more of a timing route. Um, he showed that throughout the game, of course. You know, he had a lot of great touch throws. One of my favorite throws he had was one of the incomplete ones that he had up the sideline that was tipped away at the last second. I thought it was a great throw. And so just being able to maybe see him make a couple more of those difficult ones that aren't just schemed open, but, you know, that he throws open, right? He throws that receiver open for the score. And like you said, getting in and out of the huddle a little quicker. Now, you know, the false stars weren't on him, but also they were behind the clock a little bit so that there is that aspect to it. And as you said, just how is he going to bounce back ultimately? Because it was a bit of a rough week there. But everything I've heard and seen out of Justin means if he had a rough week, we're in for a really fun game here come Saturday afternoon. That kid can bounce back uh, like he's playing on a trampoline. Uh, but Nick, over to you. I know that I, I forced it. I apologize, guys. But Nick, <laughs> I'll go over to you. Uh, Justin Fields, week two. Uh, what are your expectations in general? Anything you want to see him improve on? What shows you that he's making that next step? I think what I what I want to see that will indicate that he is taking that next step is being, not that he didn't throw from the pocket, but a lot of those plays were designed for him to roll out or, you know, because the pocket did collapse, he did roll out. And I think I just want to see what he can do from the pocket. We know he can make those passes, but I just want to see the play calls be that and him deliver those strikes from, you know, just inside the the pocket, essentially. But I think why I want to see is because I think a lot of the criticism Mitchell Trubisky got is that, hey, they had to roll him out, you cut the field in half to simplify things. And I'm not saying that's what the Bears are doing when they're designing these plays for fields because that is a strength of his throwing outside of the pocket. But you know a quarterback is most dangerous when they can just pick you apart without even having to move, and they can just go through the progressions and keep drives going. So I just want to see actually Matt Nagy call a little bit more of those type of plays because we know Justin Fields could do it. He's he's a great thrower and, and really has showed those anticipatory throws that Dalton's really good at. So I think that's kind of what I want to see from him because that will show me that he's just improving in all aspects of his game because he passed the test outside the pocket, can throw, can manipulate guys with his eyes and get people open. Good. Now let's see that next phase where he has to throw from inside the pocket because that's what the defense is doing to you. So that's going to be what I'm watching for, just to see how what Matt Nagy is calling and how Justin Fields executes it. That's going to be the thing I'll be watching out for. 
All right, let's move over to running back here. Uh, I know I wish I can talk. We can talk about Justin Fields for hours, um, but we need to move on here with the show. Uh, so sticking in the backfield, moving over to running back. Personally, you know, David Montgomery, Damian Williams, I hope they get some good looks, but after even watching Williams in some minor time last week and what I saw out of him at camp, I'm just confident that he's going to be an excellent spellback here in Chicago. So for both these guys, they have nothing to prove for me. David Montgomery has nothing to prove. Damian Williams has nothing to prove. Just stay healthy, get some good reps in, you know, get calloused a little bit. So that's kind of where I stand with the starters. Nick, Mason, anything you want to add out of them for this game specifically? I think the only thing, like, I, like obviously we know those guys are, they can run the ball in between tags, they can get outside, things like that. But I'm just curious to see, like, if you can get a little bit of reps where they're actually just adding in blocking, just blocking. I know that's, a, you know, just an extra hit they got to take, but that's the one area that I kind of want to see David Montgomery take that next step because that's something, obviously, it was maybe a little bit more inconsistent than every other aspect of his game last season. So, you know, if you have to leave David Montgomery in there to to just block for Dalton, yeah, I, I would like to see that because, obviously, different competition. Now your team may come at you. They're trying to get to the quarterback. People are fighting for jobs out here. So seeing that aspect of David Montgomery's game, if we can for a few opportunities, that's what I am actually would be watching out for. All right, and Mason, uh, we have to go to your weekly segment to talk up Khalil Herbert. I was so upset that we didn't get to see Khalil Herbert in the return game more. It, it was it was so interesting. It was literally they just kept replacing one player after another. And I think John Vay Johnson might have been the first person that actually got to do multiple returns in a row. So I, I want to see more of that because Khalil Herbert's not going to get that many touches on offense. He just isn't. You know, he's third it, at best third on the depth chart. So he needs to get those touches somewhere else. The return game is perfect. But if you did happen to give him some touches on offense, that would be amazing. Because when you see him run, he's a super dynamic runner. He missed a couple of cutback lanes. You know, he he had a bounce that he should have taken at one point. But I really do love his vision. It's great. He had that one bounce to the outside that was just beautiful. You know, he had a reception on that uh, field goal drive that was great. Kula Herbert's my guy. Like, honestly, I... I feel like he's going to have one to two, not game altering, but very impactful plays almost every game again, but he needs to get those kick returns. He needs to get those touches. Mason needs more Khalil Herbert. Uh, He did average over six yards per carry. uh, And he also caught all three of his targets last week as well. So a very good, strong debut for the rookie running back. I'm excited to see what he can do with extended looks and if he can just prove to lock down that RB3 role if he hasn't yet already, which leads me to guys like Ryan All, Artavis Pierce, CJ Marble. Nick, is there anything that they can do in offense to secure a spot or is it just really special teams value at this point? I, I would have to go with the latter there with, with the special teams value. I mean, Artavis Pierce had a really nice run. Um, obviously, that 40-plus yarder that he had up the middle late in the, the game against the Dolphins, but Really, when you're looking at what the Bears have in the three top guys at running back, everybody else needs to be thinking, okay, yeah, I play running back, but I better be the best special teamer I can be if I want to make this roster. So that's got to be the the emphasis and I think the focus for those those bottom end, bottom end guys. All right, moving over to wide receiver. Last week, we didn't see Allen Robinson. Uh, we didn't see any Marquise Goodwin. Nick, would you expect to see one or both of those guys on Saturday? I think you'll see both of them for, you know, not a large amount of time, but I think they will be in there as long as Dalton's in there. 
And that, I think, is – that will help Dalton to succeed. When you take out Allen Robinson, it's like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, obviously, Justin Fields had success, but that's really going to open up things for maybe Matt Nagy as a play caller. But also just how about Andy Dalton? That's been his go-to guy throughout training camp. And anytime you can add speed that Marquise Goodwin has, that also can, you know, I think expand the defense. And you have to respect it, right? So Mooney, Goodwin. I think you play defense a little bit differently when they're on the field. So I do expect to see them both. And, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if Dalton's first completion is to Allen Robinson, like a six-yard hitch, and that starts to drive, and who knows where it goes from there. But I would not be surprised if that's how the drive starts. That's an easy way to kind of kill those butterflies, get calmed down. Give it to A-Rob. I've seen Mitch do that plenty of times. I wonder how many times Mitch is going to wish he can throw it to Allen Robinson and that's going to throw it to him on the sideline, on the sideline, you're going to see Robinson <laughs> like, ah, and you know, the pass is going there regardless because it's just overthrown, but he might just get those flashbacks. It'd be funny if he threw one away and it was towards A-Rob and he caught it. They're like, hey, that old connection <laughs> striking again. But what about you, Mason? Anything specifically out of that, those starters uh, that you want to see? Personally, it's just building that you know, chemistry, getting some of that timing done. Uh, Nick, you talked about it with Andy Dalton, some of those anticipatory throws. Well, the guys on the other side of it are the receivers who need to be at the right spot at the right time. So just getting some of that timing in and going through those progressions. But anything specifically or any player in general uh, that you wanted to highlight from the Bears starters? Well, we started talking about the offense in regards to helping out Andy Dalton. And one of the easiest ways to help out Andy Dalton is to show what he could do with some, you know, quality receivers like a Marquise Goodwin, like an Allen Robinson. If he just has to, you know, be throwing to whims uh, or even to like just only having Darnell Mooney as his best receiver, you're not going to be able to highlight, you know, what he can do. In addition to that, just putting some of this stuff on tape is going to be really important. You want to show that, hey, the Bears got some speed. So that when you come to week one, week two of the season, the rest of the league isn't just, you know, filling the box like they have previously. So you really got to get some of those reps on tape. In terms of some of these specific players, you know, I would love to see Elder Robinson out there uh, he, just to, again, work on that timing, just to see what he, he can do. He talked about trying to really get more yards after the catch this season. He worked a lot on that over the summer. So, like, is that something that we're actually going to see? Can he grab a, a quick slant and actually gain an extra, you know, five to 10 yards that maybe he wasn't able to do last year. And then it really does fall to some of these other guys, like the, the Riley Ridley's Javon whims of the world, their jobs are just not safe. You know, no. we were up in the press box and we were like, has Daz Newsom played? He must've played. Oh wait, he's jogging off the field right there. He was in like, where's Daz Newsom been? Right. I, mean, I would love to see what he can do. Cause uh, I was really excited about him coming into the season. And unfortunately that car boat has set him back. Was he only not in, due to conditioning or being a little behind the playbook, or is he that far down the depth chart? Uh, Chris Lacey was doing awesome. Is that going to continue, right? Will he get a couple of reps with Dalton, or is he purely a, you know, Justin Fields receiver? Yeah, really good point. It's interesting how you kind of go from the starters, he went down and brought it back up. Things kind of went full circle there. I was curious about Daz Newsom too. I think everyone was, all Bears fans, us here on the panel, uh, only seeing him out there for one, and I'm been trying to figure out what it was and Nick I'm curious your thoughts because when I saw that the Bears uh, released like a you know a Jester Way and a Justin Hardy maybe the Bears were trying to give those guys some looks to kind of evaluate those veterans and now would be the time where you can start bringing in that rookie I mean they also to Mason's point probably just 
taking it slow, being a little extra safe with that collarbone too. Don't need to go straight to game action. Um, but would you expect to see more Daz? I know he's put together, uh, I would say, a good week compared to what we've seen previously. He's just been more involved in the offense. And when he was at, you know, gave his press conference, I think a week ago, he said the biggest thing for him was just getting to know this playbook. And he kept saying, like, I just need to know the playbook. If I know the playbook, I'll be fine because the physical stuff will catch up. So I think that's what really Daz Newsom's just catching up on. Obviously, he could have been doing that with the collarbone injury, but it's, it's just a lot to take in. We know the, the previous slot receiver, Anthony Miller, couldn't do that. So Daz Newsom's trying to not be – be the next Anthony Miller and just know being that he can know the plays will get him more playing time. But I would definitely expect to see 83 out there, obviously far more than what we saw in week one against the, the dolphins. But yeah, when you cut two receivers earlier in the week, you're just giving, you're opening up yourself to get those opportunities and hopefully we see them on Saturday. Yeah. And Newsom is listed as the team's number one punt returner as of right now. So hopefully you'll get those opportunities um, but if not, I think the Bears kind of show their hand a bit of who will be the week one punt returner because why would you list the guy number one, not play him unless you're saving him? They want to just say mid-game, eh, you know what, he's not number one. Let's, let's see who else can take a shot at it. That's not really uh, how it works. Mason already mentioned it's make or break time for guys like a Riley Ridley, uh, Javon Wims, time to really show us what you got. Uh, JVJ, uh, you know, John Bay Johnson, really was a no-show last week after being a camp standout. So can he step up in this game now to kind of generate some of that buzz that he needs? Uh, he was, you know, to maybe become that practice squad lock. Nick, anything else out of the Bears wide receivers, or do you want to move over to tight end? Let's move to the tight ends there, Will. You want to start with the outlaw again? Uh, Jesse James, yeah, I think, you know, you'll see that connection with Justin Fields, but a guy I'm more curious to see, especially with those starters, is Cole Komet right now. I, I want to see him... I know, I know. I, I want to see him, like, we didn't see him create separation on the one target that he got against the Dolphins in the game, where it was a slant route. Couldn't create that separation. It was the guy that he got, something, Roe. Roe was his last name. It was the guy that he got in a fight with earlier in camp. Hey, Roe won that rep in the game, so that's where it really matters. But want to see if Cole Komet will be a part of what the, the short game plan that the Bears have for this Saturday's preseason game. Because we're all expecting him to make this big jump. He's been having a pretty good training camp so far. Let's see what you do against other competition. And I think that's going to be, you know, just a, it's not the end all be all if he doesn't do anything, but it'd be nice. It'd be, it would be nice to see him create separate or just make that contested catch. He's a big guy, he's a wide target for Andy Dalton. So that's a guy that, yes, maybe Jesse James will, will catch another touchdown, but really Interested to see what Cole Komet can do with whatever reps that the Bears are planning on giving him because he what he did have an injury earlier this week. Okay, Cole Komet, the passer. I'm paying attention to Cole Komet, the blocker. Uh, I expect the Bears to run the ball uh, a little bit more uh, with the starters. Heck, I mean, they're playing way more than they did a week ago. So we're going to have a little bit of a bigger sample size. I want to see what kind of push he gets. Can he steal uh, some of those edges, create some of those running lanes? I think that stands for even like a Jesse James who we saw out there with the ones uh, a week ago. And if the Bears do play it safe with the veteran Jimmy Graham and give him you know, a couple reps and let Jesse play with the ones, I want to know how he looks in general. And then lastly, a tight end for me, and then Mason, I go to you, my guy. Jesper Horstead had a hell of a day at camp on Wednesday, so can he show out in a preseason game uh, to make his case 
to stay in the Bears if they end up going with four tight ends. You know I'm all about the Horstead hype. Sorry, Nick and the J.P. Holtz love you have over there. Um, but hearing you know Horstead kind of show what he's proven in the past yet again in a camp setting, I want to see it translate to a game. But Mason, how about you? Anything else for the Bears tight ends that are on your radar? Guys, Jimmy Graham is still on this roster. Like he he has to do something for the team, right? Like he has, you know, he can't just be a moral booster for Cole Komet on the sideline. Not so how is he going to be used? Though. I don't think week two of the preseason, though. Honestly, Mason, like he's been around how long? Like he's a guy that can probably go out there week one. He's a red zone threat at this stage of his career, anyway. Do we really need to see him out there? I'm just curious on two fronts. One, if the Bears get in the red zone. Will he trot out on the field and do one of his traditional, you know, box out catches up in the corner of the end zone? Two, will he get any run whatsoever again between the twenties? I know I brought that up before. I'm I'm just gonna find that really interesting. Like, is he literally going to just be a red zone threat for this team and a mentor, or are they ultimately going to use him? That's all good questions. I think they're gonna use him. It's just not the time because I think they know what they have in him. He's a guy that I don't think needs a lot of preparation in terms of being ready for the season. If he is going to be that red zone guy and his kind of snap count will be what it was in the second half of last season and if Jesse James continues to emerge, maybe even a little bit less and he's just that true red zone threat monster you're going to throw out there, I would rather see some other guys get some playing time this week personally, uh, but I do appreciate you making sure – that we all know that Jimmy Graham still exists because they're paying him a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, it was just it's just one of those things where I still can't get over the, the Dalton aspect of this where it just would be nice to see in an, a live game setting, again, the timing of it all, things like that, are right. two tight end sets, things, you know, things of the nature. It's it'd be difficult for me to be excited about the prospect of rolling out week one without having seen that in some form of true live action against an opponent. I see your point, and I understand it. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of people listening that are still wondering why he's still here. Uh, so I appreciate you making sure to get him ready for week one. Let's move over to the Bears' offensive line. And, Nick, you talked about that battle at left tackle. That is priority number one for all of us here. You have Elijah Wilkinson. You have Jason Peters. And didn't I hear correctly that Larry Borum as well? All three? I, I think what Matt Nagy said today is that he's capable of playing that left tackle position, but I'm curious to see if they actually throw him at right, right, Who's right he? now, just uh, Larry Borum. Okay. For if you're going to start Elijah Wilkinson, who played at what 70, I know I wrote in the article that I have right in front of me right here, 77% of the offensive snaps in week one against the dolphins. You're going to see a big majority of Wilkinson again. I, I doubt you see Jason Peters on, on Saturday. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I'm curious to see who's actually playing the right tackle right now. Um, we've seen Alex Bars there. You've seen Alan Arrington Hambright there. You've seen Larry Borum there at times. Like there, there's so many guys that can be mixed into that that right tackle position that the Bears still need to find somebody at. But obviously, maybe you'll see a Borum play right and go to left when Wilkinson's out. Like it, there's a bunch of different things that can happen. Like this is this is going to be interesting to watch throughout the game. Who's playing where? How long they're playing? And how are they actually doing? I think Wilkinson is, you know, a key guy in all of this. Yeah, playing a game of who's on first with both of your tackle positions, game two of the preseason is a very damning situation, and hopefully, uh, it does get solved. Because I'm glad to hear that you believe Borm will get right tackle reps 
because hearing that I thought what I heard was all three guys may get a look at left tackle, which to me made no sense at all because you need to find who can play that right side too. Don't ignore it. Don't neglect it. Latavius Simmons is not the answer there this season. Uh, so I'm glad that you believe we'll see Borm to the right side because even though they kind of did that experiment earlier in camp, I think you need to just put all your eggs in the basket that Jason Peters can be your left tackle, and now you got to find out who is the best guy on the opposite end. Uh, how about you, Mason? Anything you wanted to chime in with uh, with like the battles of tackle here or lack thereof? I want to preface this by saying I totally agree with you, Will. I don't want Lachavia Simmons at this point in time being the starting right tackle. What we've seen out of camp, though, seems really like the Bears are kind of might be preparing or kind of liking him there, at least initially, if, if Eddie cannot come back because of the reps he got. I and mean, he didn't leave the field on offense really in week one. They're, they're saying, you show us what you can do. And like Nick was saying, Borum is getting a good amount of reps at left tackle, at least by all reports. How much does Jason Peters really have? You know, is it going to be almost a Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, adult in the field situation where it starts with Peters and then because if they find out he can't really give you know the full 17 games as needed hey Larry Borum step in because Elijah Wilkinson hasn't really impressed all that much so there's a lot in the air right now it's gonna be really interesting to see how they manage this it really is I can't think of anything else other than oh hey James Daniels is back Nick yeah, of course. I was going to get to him eventually if he got back around to me. But seeing we haven't seen that that interior of the offensive line ever because when James Adams was injured, Sam Musford wasn't in at center yet. So seeing how those three gel and communicate and protect Andy Dalton for the first couple of series and you know, possibly Justin Fields later, that's also something to keep an eye on. Precisely. Anything else? Any other players? I feel like... Yeah, you have guys, you know, jockeying for position underneath. But by and large, if we're not paying attention to the Bears' tackles every single snap, we're not doing our job. So that's priority number one. And honestly, whatever else happens to me is secondary uh, when it comes to this positional unit. So let's play – it's not a game. Uh, most of the gain or lose. Uh, Mason, I gave you lose last time, so I'll give you gain on offense. Who has the most of the gain this week? I'm going to go with someone that I actually think is going to be on the roster. I mean, it, in theory, yeah, it's like the Ridleys of the world, but let's go with like a Larry Borum. Like he could end up getting a starting position if he starts really putting some solid tape together. Couldn't agree with you more. Really good one. Uh, he was on my short list. Number two, actually, if you wanted to know uh, where it was on my rankings. Uh, Nick, how about you? Who has the most to lose? Elijah Wilkinson does. He's going to play a lot in this game on Saturday. And if he doesn't show that he's capable of being that left tackle, you just signed a future Hall of Famer in Jason Pierce. You still got to see what he has left in the tank. But, you know, I think a good performance could maybe have Nagy feeling okay about it. You're not going to feel great, I don't think, regardless of how, how well he plays or how well he doesn't play. But, yeah, if he, if he struggles, then he definitely has the most to lose because you just signed Jason Peters. And that is obviously a move where he's coming in to compete for that position. And if he doesn't play, he's definitely going to get the first attempt with the, the, the starting offense, the second go around or that next week in training camp. All right, let's move into the third phase real quick. I'm curious what's on your radar here. Uh, obviously, we're looking to see who's lining up with some of those first team special teams uh, units, kind of giving us a good indication of who they're looking at to make the bottom end of this roster. 
For me, most importantly, though, punt recoverage. Well, they have some here this week, right? There's at one point when they're giving over uh, 20 yards per punt return. Uh, so let's see if they change up who's out there uh, and what just looks different because it better be because it can't get much worse unless you're giving up touchdowns every time that they touch the ball. And there's a, I feel like every single one of those returns early on felt like it was going for six at one point or another. So let's not have such a roller coaster every time that we have to punt the ball. Um, but Nick, how about you? Anything else in the third phase that you're paying attention to? I think just punt returner. I know Daz Newsom was labeled as the the number one guy there, but just in the game, you know, last week against the Dolphins, Jordan Lucas muffed the punt, had to recover it on you know on the ball, and then they had a pretty rough day. I think it was the next day in practice where nobody could catch a punt. It was Darnell Mooney back there, Jordan Lucas back. Like all these guys were struck. There was some pretty crazy winds. Actually, that was the day of the the crazy storm that happened. Nobody could catch a punt earlier that day, and I, I, I guess I understand that it was you know, whether was it in favor of them, but just seeing whoever's back there, if it's just Newsom, how they handle, you know, catching punts and making the right decision of whether to fair catch or not. So that's all I'll be paying attention to. All right, Mason, anything other than Khalil Herbert, hopefully getting kick return reps for you. <laughs> Besides that, which is the most important thing coming up in the second preseason game. Um, what's going on with the kickers? Uh, I'm still interested what they're going to do with Brian Johnson. Uh, again, is he just, can you find a way to have him as insurance in this COVID potential injury? Because that's what derailed Cairo Santos in the first place the last couple of years were injuries before he finally got right. Or is he a trade chip? It's going to be really interesting to see how that pans out. Without a doubt. So that's going to do it for special teams. Uh, quick enough here. Uh, so let's get into our final segment. Uh, have some fun to end the show, play some over-under, fill in some blanks, make some bold predictions, game picks, and maybe this time we'll actually do a prediction of who will be the MVP because yours truly forgot to put it in the notes last <laughs> week. But that's what preseason's all about, working out the kinks. So just like last week, two over-unders. And Nick, I'll go to you first. Over-under, 60% completion percentage for Andy Dalton. Uh, only 50% last week, but that was only two of four. I'll go over that, that completion. He's got Allen Robinson, so that automatically boosts up the completion percentage there. So I'll go over the 60 mark. Mason, are you going to back him up? I'm going to say under. I think he's going to really take some shots this game. He's going to say, hey, I got some reps to actually put some stuff together here. Let me do it. And I think he might try to squeeze it in some windows that you know may not be the best. All right. And the other over-under, uh, two takeaways for the defense yet again. So Mason... Do you think the Bears are going to get two turnovers? Will we see the turnover bucket twice or more? I'm going to say I'm going to say over. No offense, but when you got Mr. Trubisky playing, there's got he's going to throw a pick that's this week, right? Like he's got that's, there's at least one there. It has to happen. I'm going over as well. I'm going over as well. Um, there's just there's going to be opportunities. I'll say it. there's going to be opportunities. This is. Trubisky going up against a starting Bears defense where he struggled many, many times in practice before. And I think that unit's better this year than it was last year. So we're going to go. And it's not going to be just that unit that creates turnover so over them. And you said there's going to be opportunities. I want to follow up and saying this is a defense that has proven in camp and they proved last week with opportunities. They capitalize on them. So I would also take the over as well uh quick fill in the blanks nick right back to you uh, same ones as last week actually uh the the player that stock will rise the most in this game is blank i'm gonna go with my guy like i don't know if he's my guy actually uh, backtrack there but elijah wilkinson i think he's actually going to have a decent game there 
Obviously, the Bears as a whole unit didn't give up any sacks. I think he can build off another performance where and, you know, kind of add to that streak for the Bears so far. But I'm going to go Elijah Wilkinson. All right. And Mason, how about you? Who do you think uh, stock will rise the most? I could go with the obvious answer of Khalil Herbert, but I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go with Artie Burns. You know, I really think that that next layer of cornerbacks is wide open right now. And if he can build off the week that he had, I mean, he could really snag himself a spot. All right. And then just like a week ago, as I mentioned, uh, your biggest concern heading into this game would be blank. Mason, over to you. My biggest concern heading into this game is really going to be how Nagy is managing the, the starters versus when, when the twos come in and things like that. You know, it, it's such a hard line to to tread for him because, you know, obviously fans are going to be clamoring to see fields, but at the same time, you have to still get reps for your starters. You know, how is he managing when the line configurations? Because, I mean, do you just want a solid five out there and you're going to keep with that? Or do you want to rotate a little bit? Like, are you going to have Larry Borum play some left tackle, but then also see him over at right tackle? Right. There's only so many snaps in the game. How are you going to kind of match all these things up? I like it a lot. Nick, how about you? Biggest concern. I have to go. It has to deal with the starting offense and just what Matt Nagy's kind of thinking of what he wants to kind of do with this unit. Um, Like we were talking earlier, like it just seemed like there's two entirely different offenses for both the quarterbacks and it was limited reps for Dalton, but just seeing how he manages that. What is the the game plan that's not very in-depth going to look like for that first-team offense? All right. So, true or false, Nick? The Bears starting offense will gain at least four first downs. I'll, I'll go true. I mean, it's a pretty low bar. They didn't have any, obviously, last you know last week. But I'll go true. And it will happen. Uh, that's stretch saying on the first drive. But it's true. Okay. Mason, how about you? Do you believe the Bears' offense, the starting unit, will get at least four first downs? I'm going to say true because I think they have to. <laughs> like I think Nagy's going to make it, do the, whatever he can to make that happen, to make their lives easier in terms of this conversation they're having. All right. I'll give you the easiest slam dunk, true or false, of your entire life. True or false, Justin Fields will outplay and outshine Mitchell Trubisky. Mason. Absolutely true. 100% true. Now, I know they're playing probably different defenses because Mitch will be going up against the Bears starters, Justin going up against the Bills backup. So I want to preface that, at least say it. Uh, But, Nick, what about you, true or false? It has to be true. And, you know, maybe Trubisky has a better game than maybe we're anticipating. I doubt it. But Justin Fields showed what he can do last week i think he's going to build off that performance all right so let's get into our bold predictions here now and i'll start with my bold prediction it's someone that i mentioned briefly and with the defensive side of the discussion that's gonna be trey roberson i think he gets another pbu an interception and he takes it to the house earns some serious consideration uh, after this week of maybe moving up uh, the depth chart as he didn't despite having a pretty good preseason debut i thought so i'm hoping to make some splash plays uh, and kind of make his best case felt and known mason how about you what's going to be your bold prediction here for preseason week two i think based off of his limited playing time in week one uh saying that daz newsom will catch a touchdown pass is pretty bold i would say so too so a tutty for daz 
Nick, do you have a bold prediction this week? Yeah, I'm trying. Oh, I just want to make sure. So the last time the Bears played the Bills, it was 2018, I believe. Did Eddie Jackson force a fumble? And did Leonard Floyd pick that up and return for a touchdown? Or was it Eddie Jackson himself? I can't remember. But if that's the case, it's going to be the exact same scenario. Fumble, forced fumble by Eddie Jackson. And the other 94, Robert Quinn's going to pick it up and score for a touchdown. I think that's how it played out. I don't remember if Eddie Jackson was the one that ran it himself. I was trying to look it up real quick. Oh, no, wait, Leonard Floyd picked six off the deflected pass. That's what's going to happen. I don't know. It's 94 is getting a touchdown somehow, and Ajax is going to be involved. Couldn't quite remember it, though. There's so many turnovers that came for – who was the quarterback at the time? I can't. Mm. Somebody awful. Somebody, Somebody awful. awful. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Uh, real quick, are, if Robert Quinn scores, is that out of a 4-3? Sure, sure. We're going to put it all out there. It's at 4-3. Just had to ask. All right, uh, who do you think is going to be the MVP, Nick? I think, we, yeah, I'll say Joseph Fields. I'll do it. I'm being the, doing the scapegoat here. I think he's going to just continue to show, despite a bad week of practice, despite the groin injury, show that he is just developing and continuing to trend in the right direction as a as you know as a quarterback and just a football player so i'll go with i'll go with justin fields i'm gonna second justin fields for every reason that you just said i'm not gonna repeat it justin fields those two names combined is all the reason i need to even make this prediction uh how about you mason are you gonna make it unanimous again or are you gonna think outside the box I'm going to think outside the box. Come on, I can't do that. Uh, I mean, the obvious answer is Justin Fields, but I think if, if we try to be a little creative, let's give it to Jesper Horstead. That, you know, he's going to build off a pretty good practice he had. He's going to come down with a couple touchdowns, and plus he's going to be playing a lot of that game. Uh, so he'll have a lot of opportunities. I like it. I felt like Drew Carey. I just sort of like plus 500 for Mason because you talked up Jesper Horstead, and I, and I liked it. So I'm just giving away points over here. Uh, so what's going to be y'all's confidence meter? Uh, how confident are you? Again, it's a preseason game, so we're not looking at the victory or the loss. We're looking at the game achieving what we need it to. Nick, scale 1 to 10, where's that confidence meter? Sorry, I need to go back. It was Kyle Fuller deflect the pass. It was on Nathan Peterman, and then Floyd scored. So it was all messed up, but still Quinn will get that uh, touchdown, whatever. Uh, confidence, I think we're going to see. So we there were question marks at the end of last game still about outside corner, nickel corner, just uh, things about the first team offense. I think we get a better indication of what, what are going to be the answers to some of those questions. So in terms of confidence that we'll see that happen, 7.58 range that we're just trending in the right direction, especially because you're going to see some of those stars on offense play a little bit more. And then I think we'll see in terms of the play from the outside corner and nickel corner, how they obviously perform. So seven and a half to eight range. All right. By the way, mentioning Kyle Fuller is making some people sad in the chat, which I can definitely understand and resonate with. Uh, missed him too. Uh, Mason, how about you, man? What's going to be your confidence meter? I'll be right, right at a seven for the most part. Nice and even number. Um, I, at the end of the day, obviously the offensive line struggles are going to be interesting. Last week they didn't do too bad. You know, obviously didn't give up in, any sacks, which was great. But at the same time, you're not seeing any exotic pressures. Hard to really tell what this line is going to look like. Like Nick said, you don't really know what's going on in that slot corner position. Um, but at the same time, I'm pretty confident that Ain Dalton's going to go out this week and show – 
why the Bears got him when they did, that he's going to be professional, he's going to hit the throws he should hit, you know, and he's going to have a – the term game manager is such a bad connotation nowadays. Like, it sounds terrible, but it's good. Like, you're, he's going to work through the progressions and hit who he needs to hit. All right. I'm at about eight and a half. Uh, last week, we didn't see a lot of starters. This week, we're going to see more. And a big part of this game, in my opinion, is getting these starters – closer to game ready Uh, so I think we're going to hit that goal Uh, whether or not Andy Dalton can succeed as QB1 I think we're going to learn some lessons there for good or for bad we'll see how it all plays out either way that's progress getting Justin on the field one way or another and when you again when you look at every positional group that we broke down uh, I feel like we're going to get some of these answers and questions that we have today by the time that Nick and I do our post game show after the game Mason, you'll be in attendance. I'm not trying to exclude you on purpose. It just will be a little difficult. I think we're going to have some of those answers and get a real good kind of focus and perspective uh, heading into that preseason finale. And at the end of the day, that's all I'm looking for come this game against the Bills. Uh, Real quickly, uh, what's the game pick? I I jumped the gun a bit in my notes. I have the Bears winning 24 to 16. Nick, how about you? I mean, that's usually my go-to score for anything. Uh, be a little <laughs> bit more higher scoring. We'll go 30 to 23 Bears. All right, Mason, are you going to go high scoring, low scoring, somewhere in the middle? I'm going to go low scoring, 21 to 3 Bears. Bears just can't really get over that 21 mark too easily. Hey, that's better than last year. We couldn't even get to the 20 mark half the time. So that is progress in its own right. All right, time to wrap up and share our final thoughts here heading into the game. I'll go ahead and kick things off. Uh, Personally, I'm looking forward to just getting to see, like I said, some of those starters in some more time, Um, but also some of the guys that we missed last week, have them return. Uh, Now in the second of three preseason games, very important to get them ready to play, knock off that rust. And I would, it's hard to not say that I'm very excited, like almost like sleeplessness, restlessness, ready to see Justin Fields back in action again I do believe he can overcome that rough week of practice Uh, I look at that as a positive Uh, the Bears are putting more on him I believe showing him some different things and that's why he's struggling and it's just a learning curve and he's someone that picks it up quick learns from I'll use the word failure a bit and struggles in practice should in my opinion lead to some really great things come uh, the game and then we've talked about the Mitch thing. I guess it's cool, but personally, I'm just going to be focusing on you know more what matters to this Bears team this year, uh, what the players are doing that we've highlighted throughout the show. Uh, it's going to be fun, Nick, uh, to be with you up in the press box. We'll be, I'm going to try to find Mason uh, with the binoculars uh, that I got over on Amazon and just kind of build off our post-game show experience there, see if we can make it just a, a little bit better for our viewers as well as our listeners. But that's just my final thoughts heading into this game. Mason, I'll go to you next. Yeah, I'm just really excited to go to this game. I think it's going to be fun to be a part of that uh, fan experience, especially after having just done the press box, to just have those two different views. Uh, This game would have been a good one to be in the press box to watch those tackles. I think that's going to be, like you said, I mean, on offense, all eyes on that position uh, throughout. Uh, uh, The only thing I'll see on Mitch is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Treat him with respect, you know. You know, hopefully he doesn't get the treatment that Nick Foles did last game with a chorus of boos. You know, he still he did his best when he was here. And uh, if anyone's going to the game and they want to buy me a beer, feel free. 
Yeah, that's the one benefit of being in the fan area. Uh, the adult beverages that do make the game a, a little bit more fun, especially preseason one. Uh, Nick, how about you? What's going to be your final thoughts, man? Yeah, just, again, watching this offensive line, seeing who's in, how they perform overall. But I'm really just curious to, to watch those starting safeties and what what they can do. Because ever since they started practicing this week, you know, the quarterbacks haven't been as good, specifically Justin Fields and just the quarterbacking in general at practices. I don't know if that's coincidental or, you know, what that can entail, but I think those guys are capable of giving Mitchell Trubisky a tough day, especially if he wants to go downfield. So just watching to see how that plays out, but another opportunity for us to be in the press box, learn from the last week and, you know, just make a even better post-game show like you were saying, Well, So really looking forward to doing that and, you know, just getting to watch some, some more Bears football. I really look at last week's post-game show as our pilot. Uh, so if you want to know what that feels like for me, go way deep into our archive if you can and find some of those early episodes and then see where we're at now. I, I'm, ex- I'm hoping and I believe in ourselves to make that kind of a jump with our product, uh, with some of these live shows uh, on remote locations. So very excited about our future. And really, it's thanks to all of our listeners here. So I want to just... You know, end the show by saying a huge thank you uh, for everyone who tuned in. Uh, we really do appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, I just said it, but I'll say it again. We're so excited uh, for the year to come, uh, and I'm sure you're excited too. That's why you're here watching or listening to this preseason preview that went for about an hour and a half. Uh, so pat yourself on the back because that's a lot of nonsense uh, when you think about <laughs> it. You know, this, this game doesn't matter in the grand scheme, but I think it does matter for a lot of reasons uh, that we talked about here uh, throughout the show. So if you haven't yet, though, please take a second uh, to leave a review of our show over on Apple Podcast and join over the 700 Bears fans that have already done so. Or you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, and join over, what, 7.5 thousand uh, Bears fans that do watch us here uh, on the live stream. And don't forget, we did open up a merch store on our website so you can help support the show by picking up some of the official Chicago Audible gear over at chicagoaudible.com slash shop. We'll be back Saturday afternoon, evening, with our post-game show live from Soldier Field. I believe, Nick, we're going to... We're gonna. Is it safe to say after the, after the press conferences are over? Like, we're going to actually go since we're allowed to go, right? I was hoping so. Yeah, we didn't go last week, so let's definitely get down to where it's like in the basement of where Soldier Field. So I got to go there once, but we have to, one we have to find it. So just follow the crowd of media people. But we're definitely gonna go. Sounds great. We'll just find like you know Finley and Johns and Hogue and just follow the train, and they'll show us where we need to go. But that's what I'm excited for that learning experience. So after the press conferences, let us get set up, and we'll go live. I know it's not as soon as we usually go. I miss that liveness too, and we'll probably have a few games this year. We do it, especially those away games. <laughs> I don't, Nick. I know you can fly for free, but I can't swing that in my budget. Um, but yeah, definitely check us out. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you if you haven't. If you want to watch that live post game show from Soldier Field. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.